We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Kyle Shanahan's press conference, or conference call, I should say. Hot off the presses, and there is the uh, highlight reel of that conversation today. And, Ray, what I take away is sort of what we were talking about going all the way back to our first segment in the 3 o'clock hour. I really think that Shanahan believes he's got a system that can see the 49ers through this. He really does. I, I think that he, and this is what I said earlier, is the same sort of hubris that led him to think that I can do better with Trey Lance or... Jimmy isn't special enough for me to really want to bring him back after yet another NFC title game appearance. He has a formula. And if the quarterback can operate his formula, make a really quick read, get the ball into the hands of a playmaker, and not really have to look far down the field to find his target, he can have success with a defense like this. And all of that still seems to be in play. Are they in a better shape now than they were 48 hours ago? No one could say that. But are they devastated? You could just hear Kyle's telling you, no, we're, we're not that either. Uh, the thing about most coaches, though, is that they have hubris about the system they like to employ. The, the thing that has always struck me as odd is not that Kyle Shanahan wavers from that. It's it's that everybody else imagines that he wants a, a different offense than the one he's got. And after four years of this, I think you have to finally cave in to the notion that, no, this is what he wants. Oh, I don't, He's I, the guy. I'm not, I'm not talking about you. He's the general manager and the coach. If he wanted to change the way his team operates. But he did. He tr Well, he tried at one position. But... In the one game that we saw of Lance, it wasn't like he was airing it out either. I think what we're talking about now is a body of work that suggests that whatever Kyle Shanahan might dream about, he knows that this is the safest way to operate and the smartest way to operate. Because starting in 2019, which is when he finally had his first full roster that he could call his own, they're winning about 65% of their games. And only an idiot would say, that 65 is not enough. I I'm willing to have it be 55, but it'll, but it'll look a lot more sparkly. 65 is plenty. 65 gets you paid off. And they've come as close as a team can come in the last three years to getting that payoff. 
So I don't think he's going to deviate from it. And I, as much as he might dream about the guy with the big arm who can throw it downfield with complete abandon, I think this is what he's the most comfortable with because he's had opportunities to change it in a bunch of different ways and hasn't. When you talk about a basketball player who's a coach's son, you usually mean that kid's footwork are going to be good. He's going to be good from the free throw line. Bet you he's a little bit of a shooter. The fundamental basketball truths are coached into coaches' sons. I think the same thing is going on with Kyle Shanahan. As a coach's son, certain football fundamental truths have been so pounded into him that he believes that. And these are football truths. You want a very strong defense. You want a great pass rush. You want a running game that can allow you to keep you on schedule and kill clock when it comes time to do that. The less you risk the ball in the air, the less chance of bad things happening to you seem to present themselves. And I do think that that's what he, he knows that he wants that in a way and that he's got that. But his drafting of Trey Lance, to me, wasn't a suggestion. It was a gosh darn literal piece of evidence that he does want to do more. That he thinks that his 65% winning percentage isn't nearly as impressive as a 58 winning percentage along with a ring. And it seems to me that that is the direction he wanted to go in. It's been stopped and now it's been stopped Maybe even again. And here's the thing about Jimmy Garoppolo that might have him officially like bopping around, not feeling too bad for him. Ray, he can't trip over a finish line. I'm not saying that Jimmy wanted to bow out. I'm not saying Jimmy wanted to leave anything to the imagination here. But the very best thing for Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of what his future in the NFL might look like is you didn't see all the things that might have gone wrong. Like he officially leaves us wanting more. When's the last time Jimmy Garoppolo season ended with you wanting more Jimmy Garoppolo? For the first time now, it officially does. Quick question. Has he played his last game with the San Francisco 49ers? No. Quick answer. You think he is back next year now? Yep. Because at this point, I'm except I'm operating under the assumption that Brock Purdy is not going to amaze anybody. Because he's not a young Tom Brady, no matter what Michael Irvin says. God bless him. He's a seventh round draft pick. And I think There's only one after Brady. I know what you're yeah. saying. I know. And I think Kyle Shanahan has hit himself in the head with the same skillet enough times to now figure out that to change the offense means changing more than the quarterback. And I don't think he wants to do that. I think trading for for Christian McCaffrey was doubling down on what he currently believes in ways that uh, drafting Trey Lance, uh, that's now yesterday's plan. I think the new plan is what he's got now with Christian McCaffrey as the guy, as as this year's Debo Samuel, as the guy who unlocks the possibilities within an offense that isn't high octane. 
And I think that's the that's the tip off here. Nothing else. I think when they traded for Christian McCaffrey, they were saying, "All right, this is who we are. I know what we wanted, what I wanted us to be, but those doors are closed, and you can only win the championship that's in front of you." What does Brock Purdy need to do in his five remaining regular season games if he does start them all? And whatever playoffs get thrown at him, what does he need to do to be the new Jimmy Garoppolo, rendering the old Jimmy Garoppolo now officially someone that the team could move on from? Because I I do believe Jimmy Garoppolo has played his last game now with the 49ers. We're doing that dance again? Well, we were going to come to it at some point. Well, yeah, at some point, but... I think if he doesn't get hurt here, he's definitely coming back. Right, but it, but I but think you got a massive fork in the road of another injury, which is I think part and parcel of why moving on from Jimmy was one of the things that Kyle wanted to do. And I'm not trying to throw any dirt on Jimmy Garoppolo, who's had an outstanding stretch of football games here. But if Brock Purdy can produce similar results over the course of five games. I do think that this team moves on with Trey Lance being Trey Lance, Brock Purdy. You guys figure it out. It's a straight up battle in next year's training camp. See, I think it's just the opposite. I think being as close as they are right now, and I'm going to assume they finish no worse than three and two because their defense is that good. That Kyle Shanahan, having tempted fate once, is not going to tempt it again. So I don't think there's anything Brock Purdy can do that is going to win him the job or make him and Lance 1 and 1A and pick your order. I think this job is Jimmy Garoppolo's because he has shown over the 12 games that other than, you know, a lummox standing on his foot, he was having an extraordinary season, not just for him, but for the team. And I think that the the idea that, that Kyle Shanahan you know, rolled the dice big on Trey Lance and it hasn't turned out. And the results he's gotten since then have probably convinced him that not, I can do this without a high octane quarterback because I just went out and got the high octane running back. And that's what I've been doing. I've been you know trying to invent this a different way. Now I've got the ideal guy who Debo Samuel sort of represented a year ago. This is sort of the elite version of that. And I think the, the tip, that's the tip-off. It's that I've got, I've got McCaffrey now. I'm not going to waste that by trying to reinvent my offense yet again. You know, I like this. And I'm going to keep doing this until somebody stops me. That's what I think. Damon and Ratto, here on 95.7 The Game. And look, it's... It's something we started the show with, and I, I want to keep coming back to it because it's it's the best compliment I got for the Niners situation. Normally, when you're at your third-string quarterback, your chances of doing anything special at the end of a football season go right to zero. The Niners' chances of having a special football season have not crashed to zero. I mean, what do you think? What do you think the Niners' realistic chances of winning a Super Bowl were before Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt? About twenty percent. 
when you look at all of the stiff competition around football, they had, uh, to me, that sounds like a really fair number. They had about a one in five chance of, of being a Super Bowl team. There are two, three teams in the AFC they should be worried about. There are two, three teams in the NFC they should be worried about. One in five, so it's, it sounded like a fair evaluation to me. 20% chance, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I could somewhere quibble, in there. I could quibble and say, you know, anywhere from a third to a fifth, but. Then- we're, not, we're yeah. not arguing. Yeah, the, the argument is not worth having in terms of what the fraction is. 20% is right in the middle of a third to a fifth. It would no, work. It's, no, it's actually a little bit below. No, it's a fifth. Oh, you're right. Thank you very much. Again, math, not a strong suit. Anyway, I like how you disagree with me. No, but I'm saying... Absolutely that, agree. It's like saying, do you want to go to dinner at quarter to seven or 6.45? Well, would you rather I just say yes and then let you talk more? Well, yeah, because it's not going to be my definitive point. I'm getting to something. Well, I know. That's what, but I made my point. Now I'm, you, you've wasted two minutes of people's lives now. This is on you, not me. It's a single digit number. The chances of the Niners doing something spectacular at the end of this year are now well the hell out of one in five. 20%. It's a single digit number, but it ain't zero. For most teams in this situation, it would be crashing to zero. The things that are keeping it up was this defense is all day and night long for reals. And Brock Purdy may be able to give you a decent simulation of Jimmy Garoppolo production. And again, if he can really do that, if he can really do that, I wonder if the actual Jimmy Garoppolo will be back in the room next year. I, I, I hear what you're saying about this team feels ready to go and you wouldn't want to deviate from the track right now. What if Brock Purdy isn't that much of a deviation? I mean, we're getting very pie-in-the-sky optimistic about what he could look like here. But man, I thought that there were two instances of both of these coaches going on full tilt. First of all, when you got Mike McDaniel going for it on fourth and one from his own 18-yard line with nine minutes remaining to play, like huge huevos, no doubt about it. But that was Mike McDaniel letting you know, I'm going to be drinking tonight. This is this game's gotten to me. This is gonna, I'm, I'm going to have trouble going to sleep. That yeah, was, he, yeah, that was a rookie coach's mistake. Yeah. And, and, and a significant one because it calls into question whether he can grind out games at the end of a season or whether he starts to let his genius get in the way of common sense. I thought there was one example where the down and distance didn't make sense on the decision that Kyle Shanahan made. His decision to go for it with Brock Purdy on fourth and four, you know, not with that much game left. I mean, you're in the second quarter here. Not with that much field left either. Like, not with this defense. Uh, I, I, Shanahan, who is ultra-careful to the point of conservative, like, until he's really looking at a, you know, a, a fourth and four in a fourth quarter, but to do that, you know, really early with a fourth and four and a backup quarterback and a defense that was playing like that, I, I just, I didn't get it. Like, why not punt to a clearly shaky Tua we're talking middle second quarter of a tie game. Like to me, that made no sense situationally for Kyle Shanahan. That to me is the moment where he almost started to press a little. I didn't get that same sense. I got the sense that I want to see what they're going to do in this situation. Not his team, but the Miami's defense. I think it was more sort of an exploratory thing. And I think he had sort of a sense that, you know, we can move the ball on these guys. 
which they ultimately did. They got 380 yards. And even after you take away the Greenlaw touchdown, they still had, you know, six scoring drives. So I think he just wanted to see what the Dolphins were, were going to do and just file it away for later. So I mean, it, it didn't bother me as much. I didn't get the sense that he was, you know, trying to fill an inside straight as much as I thought McDaniel was later in the game. I thought it was just a really funny time for an ultra-conservative coach to get aggressive and dial up a passing play, which he did a little bit later. He did a little bit later. There was one time where I really thought that that Mike McDaniel might have hopped on a tendency or saw something that he knew that Shanahan was going to do. Uh, the 49ers were going for it on third and two, and Mike McDaniel had his defense all over that, like 11 men at the line showing jailhouse zero blitz and that was a turnaround handed off to McCaffrey. And on a quick snap, the 49ers got buried behind the line of scrimmage on that play. I didn't know if that was just, you know, McDaniel jumping on something he saw or in an outstanding defensive play from the Dolphins in the moment. I thought it was, I thought, you know, McDaniels played, played a hunch. He just said, they're going to go to McCaffrey here. We'll just, we'll just sell out on him. And if it's not him, we're screwed. It was him. It was him. It was him in the moment. But no, I I mean, and I think, you know, all football games are built of little moments like that where coaches play hunches. But I thought the the McDaniel play in the fourth quarter was more about him, you know, getting full of himself than any of the other instances that we, we just... And here's the, they converted. I mean, they converted that early fourth from their own 18, but... I mean, it's it's like one of those, uh, I don't care that you won your bet. You should probably leave the table. You're going a little nuts. Yeah. <laughs> You're going a little bit nuts. Yeah. Accept your losses and, you know, go play dice. Everyone is talking quarterback. It's what we obsess about in this town. I do want to talk about this defense. And it was an, uh, a defensive day in five or fewer plays that I want to talk about right here and now. After we saw the shock that was the very first play the Dolphins ran that went for a 75-yard touchdown... On the next possession, so Jimmy has just had his foot broken. And by the way, look, I'm not going to rip Joe Davis here, but Fox misses Joe Buck on big games. And maybe you might not have liked Joe Buck, but I don't you kind of miss him on big games too? I mean, to yeah. me, Joe Davis just doesn't have the gravitas that Joe Buck brings with him. And I, I just, I thought that, they were so nonchalant about Jimmy Garoppolo getting carted to the locker room. And then they show you the replay and you're like, man, how are they being? You know, I think Joe Davis actually said like Jimmy Garoppolo going to the locker room. There's something to keep an eye on. Oh, you think Joe, do you think that's something to keep an eye on? Because that's not just Jimmy going to the locker room. That's probably the whole damn season going to the locker room. Luckily, Brock showed us enough to where we don't feel like that anymore. But they were so nonchalant on the TV broadcast about what just happened. And they missed it until they showed you. Oh, by the way, Jimmy's going to the locker room, coming back from commercial break. Here is a pre-recorded B-roll of that happening. I couldn't believe it. Um, I, Joe Davis, you know, is still growing into this, clearly. And he doesn't know, or at least doesn't have an innate sense of the turning points. Because it's not about the exciting play in which he over emotes like crazy it's the 
moment in the game that everything changes. And that's one of those non-playing moments where everything changes. Yeah, that wasn't something to keep an eye on. That's something to yeah. write down, italicize it, yeah. underline it. Yeah, that's something you've tried to figure out how not to say holy, holy yes on the air. <laughs> I mean, because that was, you know, that was potentially the, the game wrecker and the season wrecker. And yeah, I, I, I don't think he, you know, glommed on to the importance of the moment. But I remember early on in the Joe Buck era, too, you know, he he tried to even keel everything, and sometimes you had to sell a moment that mattered, and that was a moment that mattered. Joe Davis doing baseball, understated, kind of. Well, because it yeah, works. Well, it, he learned it, from it, right. Vince Scully. So uh, on football, I need a little bit more oomph when the moment calls for it. Anyway, I want to talk about five defensive plays, and then we'll continue taking some calls here. But you had the seventy-five yard lightning strike that was the touchdown on the first play of the game. Then the 49ers take the ball down the field and they stop short. It's a Robbie Gold field goal, but obviously that sideline's got to be a little bit concerned about Jimmy, who seems to be in pain over on the bench. So now it's the second possession of the day and the Dolphins go three and out. Fred Warner tipped it to a pass to force that three and out. And after they housed their very first play of the day, I thought right there, Ray, like that game needed equilibrium quickly. And that was about as important play as the field goal that the 49ers just settled for to keep them in that game. Because if Miami had jumped out to 10 to 3 or 14 to 3, and you got Brock Purdy the rest of the way. That whole game feels much different. Oh, no. It's got the smell of a boat race. Yeah. So I, I thought that, that was a huge moment of the day. And Fred Warner talked about, um, you know, just not, not settling and getting bounced back after that opening touchdown. We knew it was just a breakdown in coverage, just a simple mistake out there. And ultimately, we want to obviously get him down in that position once he does catch it. But we didn't flinch. We came back to the sideline. And you can't look at things like that emotionally. You got to just look at it for what it is and, and see how you can adjust. And I guess that was a kind of it allowed us to really settle into the game quicker, obviously, when you when you have a play like that. So, yeah, we didn't flinch. That was the first really good defensive play of the day. Our second one to highlight was the last defensive play of the day. Down nine with two to go. Tongue of Iloa. Hit as he throws. Ball is out. Ball is live. And it is a touchdown for Dre Greenlaw. Nick Bosa caused the fumble, scoop and score for Greenlaw. And that was the game cementing touchdown. It was a step on the other team's neck. Definitive moment. And it, it it hopefully now sets the tone for the rest of the year for this defense because they are going to have to be nothing short of excellent in every single game that they play. The Dolphins trying to convert twice on fourth down. We talked about the first and Mike McDaniel going on tilt. They would have had that second one too. But Mike Gesicki never really caught that ball. You saw that he basically, he had that ball pinned, Ray, between his ear hole and his shoulder pad with his hand just like up around the top of his helmet. So it looked like maybe he caught that. Shanahan challenges twice, wins both challenges. That was huge. But honestly, maybe not as huge as the play before that. Drake Jackson batting down a pass on third down was just massive. 
it brought up the fourth down play that Gesicki didn't make. So that that to me was a huge, huge play in the game. Drake Jackson and Lucas, I know Friday night was rough, so I just want to give you one fight on right there, right there. Uh, Bosa's sack on two on third down from the 16-yard line. Obviously, that was huge. Jeff Wilson Jr. threw a bad block after a chip block that basically did nothing on Bosa. And the Dolphins were forced to settle for a field goal there. That kept the score 10-10. Again, it was all about keeping the Dolphins in striking distance all day long, and the defense did it. Bosa, again, after the 49ers ran a play on fourth and four, they turned it over on downs with that sack. He was fantastic. There's one other play. Just one more I want to tell you about that gets lost in the sauce of a day that had all sorts of dramatic things happening. Remember when Eric Armstead drew a holding penalty, which squashed a really good gain by Raheem Mostert? It would have been Mostert's longest game of the day, and it would have put the Dolphins you know, inside their own 10-yard line. It would have made it, uh, it, it, it because of back-to-back defense or offensive penalties, um, it made it first and 25. It made it first and 25, and on the very next play, Jimmy Ward, uh, it, it, it's selling out to make a play as much as a corner can, and he made the play. Again, Joe Davis on Fox. Jimmy Ward with the highlight play. Eric Armstead was bringing the heat. Eric Armstead was the guy who made two uncomfortable in that throw. He was right underneath his face mask when Tua let that one go. That's why he short-armed it a little bit. Welcome back, Eric Armstead. Didn't have a big day in the box score, but boy, Eric Armstead was making himself felt out on that football field. He really was. It's why it's it for for once somebody's helped springing Nick Bosa open, not the other way around. Welcome back, Eric Armstead. Yeah, I mean, look, that that imbalance is always going to exist because Bosa is going to create more havoc than anybody else. It is everybody else's job to hold serve with the guy that's trying to block them. So. That that's a that was a bit of a reversal of form, but it worked out fine for them. Gino in San Francisco, you're on ninety five seven. The game, Gino. Hello. Hey, David and Ray. Pleasure to be on with you. Thank you. I had a real problem with the play calling yesterday at the end of the game. The 49ers have it first and ten at the ten yard line. All they need to do is bleed clock, kick a field goal, and they're up nine. Instead. Uh, Shanahan called a pass play on the second play. They lost 14 yards, and it wound up uh, field goal 49 yards. Hell, if he'd have missed that, they could have scored a touchdown and won. When really all he had to do was run the ball three times, kick the field goal, and win. He did the same thing in the Super Bowl when uh, Julio Jones caught that pass down deep, called a pass play, and they went in reverse and lost the Super Bowl. You bring up a good point, Gino. Look, you, you bring up a good point. Um, Shanahan was going for a kill shot, which he didn't necessarily even need. Why why squeeze the trigger? I, I, I agree with you. I thought it was maybe the worst 
sequence of the day. I don't know what it is about Kyle in red zones, man. <laughs> he gets into them, and it feels like a lot of what got them down the field in the first pet place starts to go away. I mean, I, I, I think that they need to get better in the red zone for sure. I didn't like that either. But on a day where, you know, they, they got out a winner when so many instances and simulations run would have had them getting out a loser. I'm, I'm not going to hold that one on Kyle because I really did think, even though that that last sequence was, to borrow from Ray, not cloaked in glory. It was but, it was one of the finer days of Shanahan's coaching tenure with the Niners, all things considered. But but I get why he he wanted all of it because Miami, even in the shambles they were in, is still one of those very few teams in the league that can do something electrifying in a hurry. Tyreek Hill, <laughs> I mean, well, Tyreek Hill, well, yeah. Trent Sherfield. I mean, you, they'd already done it and they'd done it twice. So I I get why he wanted to make sure that this was out of hand, out of out of reach, not out of hand. Very impressive day out of Christian McCaffrey. Very impressive day out of Debo Samuel. Um, McCaffrey at the locker room talked about how it's tough to celebrate wins when a guy that you, you know, haven't played with very long but developed some respect for got hurt. Here is Christian McCaffrey talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, It's brutal. I haven't been around a long time here, but I can't say enough good things about him. Been in that position before where playing and you're excited and it all has to end in in a year and really sucks and it hurts. And but I can't say enough good things about him from a leadership standpoint and the way that he he operates his attitude on a daily basis. And so I'm praying for him and we all are going to have his back. But no guys like Brock and that whole quarterback room are, uh, you know, you see a guy like Brock come in there and do well like that. It's because of Jimmy, you know, it's because learning from a guy like Jimmy, learning from Reese and Kyle and all these guys. So, yeah, heartbreaking. Nick Bosa on his quarterback going down. He's going to be fine. He's, it's going to take time, obviously. Just stinks because I really felt him coming on even more so this year. Like, he's always been a great leader, but I felt him really really caring about this team and his part and obviously his big role as quarterback and I saw him at halftime and it was pretty emotional look look good feel good play good I think Jimmy has all three things going for him he's always had look good going for him we know that feel good it's been questionable at times play good that's the hardest part of the equation for anyone in that equation and Jimmy really had all things going for him It's a shame that he had the rug pulled out from underneath him now. But at the same time, if you're Don Yee, if you're Jimmy's agent, I think leaving everyone with a good last impression does well for him going into the next contract, no matter where it is. Yeah, I, I, again, you asked me before, I think, you know, he'll be making more impressions here because I think Kyle Shanahan has tried to put the square peg in the round hole enough times that he's just going to go, you know what? However this turned out, Fates told me I'm making my stand with him. And, you know, if Trey Lance wants to hang around, he can be the future when the future happens. But I don't think he's going to look at 2023 and say, yeah, everything we did this year, we're going we're gonna to start over one more time. Because I don't think... You know, the the offense has been so horrible that it's jeopardized what the defense has done. The defense has clearly carried this team, but the offense has not been, by any means, 
a shame. No, they're good. Yeah. So, they're not great. They're not bad. They're good. You know, and, you know, he tried to shift gears and through a series of accidents wasn't able to. So I think he might just take the hint and go, you know what? This is the guy. You know, he might not be the guy forever, but I'm tired of trying to figure out when the future is going to happen. I'm just going to play the cards I got till I need to get different cards. Meanwhile... Nick Bosa talking about how Brock Purdy, the future for him, it's right now. It's hard to tell in practice. Whenever he's gotten a shot in preseason, he looked like he had some dog in him. I love his mindset. He's super tough. He's not afraid to make mistakes. He gets playmakers the ball, so he's our guy now, so we got to roll. <laughs> there is no one who plays with more fury and sounds like he's on a morphine drip. <laughs> more than Nick Bosa. We that, have great energy. Uh, it's really one of the ultimate that guy doesn't sound like he looks. It really is. Yeah, and no, it's like he he spent all the all day working and he just doesn't want to have a long discussion about it. Just <laughs> just pour me a beer. I'm gonna sit in the chair. I'm gonna watch TV. Leave me alone till dinner starts. He sounds like an exhausted, defeated coal mine worker. With way too much Oxycontin in his system at the end of the bar. Yeah. Just kind of fading out of the evening. But he also sounds like a female CEO at the end of a tough day. <laughs> just kicking off the shoes, sitting down going, you know, son, go get me a beer. I've had a tough one. Don't ask me to help you with your homework until later. Brock Purdy. Talking about the, uh, you know, got some dog in him. He was asked, were you a little bit nervous getting on in there? Of course, he said, yeah, I was terrified. No, he didn't say that at all. I feel like there was a little, just like the whole butterfly feeling of, all right, man, like, we're going in. Let's do this. It wasn't like, you know, I was out there, like, shaking and go, shoot, what do I do? What's my read? None of that, man. It's every single week I act like I'm the starter. I got to prepare like I'm the starter. Name was called. Coach Greasy said, let's roll. Just went out there thinking, all right, what do I got to do on the first play? Like, check can or, or not, you know? So but once I got hit, I think it was a rollout. It felt good just to be like, all right, got some contact in, and now I can roll and, and settle down a little bit. It's amazing how quarterbacks say that all the time. I need to get hit once to feel like I'm in a game. Well, he got hit a couple of times. He bounced up every single time. Tough cookie, man. And I'm just going to tell you this. I, I'm i very interested to see what Brock Purdy looks like after a week of running with the first team in practice. I really, really am. And he says he is he's evaluating himself harshly, even though he got the deed done yesterday down in Santa Clara. I'm excited that we won, first and foremost. Myself, I expect a lot out of myself, and so you can say it's my first time going in a, in a meaningful time in a game and, and trying to win and everything, but for me, man, I like, I'm a perfectionist in a sense. That's how the game is. You're not going to be perfect, and I have to know that and continue to enjoy the good parts and, and learn from the tough times, but I'm definitely a guy that wants to do right all the time, and just because we won doesn't mean, you know, I'm on cloud nine and this and that. Like, I, I, I want to get better, and I, I have to for this team. Level-headed. Level-headed. That's what he needs to be. That's when Jimmy's on his best, when he's level-headed. So, this is going to be a fascinating experiment. We talked about the multiverse a few times, you know, in the weeks leading up to just, what if this were happening? If What if that would happen? What if Brock Purdy can actually get done something that is so similar to the way Jimmy Garoppolo might get it done? that the 49ers really don't skip much of a beat here. What if that happens? It'd be fascinating.
It's going to be fascinating to watch it unfold. It really is. But it's going to be fascinating even if he bombs out. I mean, either way, we got a story to tell. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. It is. I don't think he'll be as good as Garoppolo. I don't think that's the way to bet. Um, history is on your side. Well, no, it's just playing percentages. That's all. That's but what history it, on your side means, right? No, but it's <laughs> it, the, the history and the percentage of you know, you know, any quarterback coming in with as little. I mean, he's had fewer reps this year than Lance had last year. I mean, he was almost never practicing. So the truth is, yeah, you don't know what you don't know about him, you know. And I think Kyle Shanahan is going. The real trick is how does Kyle Shanahan recreate conditions by which Purdy doesn't get asked to win games? And that I think it's more extreme now than it would have been with Garoppolo. I think he would he would trust Garoppolo with a contested throw down the field this year. I don't think he'd trust. Purdy with it, just because he just you know what, I don't know enough about this. I think Shanahan, because he's going in blind too, his offense for the next couple of weeks is going to be awfully careful, and it's not just history, you know, suggesting that he should. It's that he knows less about this guy than he knew about the last guy that replaced Jimmy Garoppolo. Andrew in Oakland, final call of the day because we need to, in our final segment, start going over uh, what the Warriors got in front of them tonight and what happened around Major League Baseball today. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I uh, I just wanted to talk about, bring it back what you guys were talking about a little bit ago with uh, the return of Eric Armstead. I think, I think that was huge. Huge. I think he was a huge reason why we got it done yesterday. Um, you know, you guys mentioned that, you know, on the stat sheet, it it didn't look like he had a big game, and it never does. But, I mean, the impact that he has day in and day out, um, you know, I don't, think, I don't think he can be replaced. And um, with the way that our defense looked, um, as a whole, yesterday, you know, arguably the best it has in I don't know how long. Um, I was just wondering what you guys were thinking about, you know, how far the Niners really can go. Well, look, again, we're just going to, Andrew, we're going to cut off anyone who wants to talk about NFC title games or Super Bowls. Just let's relax with all that. Just relax that. I well, think they've got an know, excellent chance to get to Sunday. Yeah, I think they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in on Sunday. I like their chances to get to that game. And beyond that, here's the goal. Win your division. Get a home playoff game. With this defense, you should probably have a puncher's chance from there. Might you be the favorite game in, game out? Probably not. That ship probably sailed. Do you really want to go and toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or you probably don't but when you got a defense like this who knows when we come on back we will try to get to everything else in our final segment and there are a lot of things to get to we will do our best to get you there here tonight on 95.7 the game it's Damon and Ratto brought to you by Pfizer 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. All right, so we need to go over the entire world of sports that wasn't the NFL quickly here. In our final segment of the day, we want to let you know the Warriors basketball is officially coming up next. Our man John Dickinson getting you ready. Uh, It is Warriors Live brought to you by Fremont Bank right around the corner. Pacers in town tonight. No T.J. Warren. No Halliburton. He's going to miss his second straight game. The Pacers are playing their sixth game in nine days. They've lost. uh, Yeah, no, sorry. McConnell. uh, He is out, too. Uh, What did what, you just say? T.J. McConnell is out. T.J. McConnell is out. Tyrese Halliburton is out. Tyrese Halliburton is out. Miles Turner out. Miles as well. Turner is out as well. Sorry, I was getting my T.J.s and my. I don't know. T.J. Warren not involved. Uh, it's too bad the Halliburton's not playing. I kind of wanted to see him. He's having an incredible year. Anyways, uh, the Pacers are really struggling right now. They've lost four or five. Uh, they have lost three in a row to the Kings, Jazz, and Trailblazers. They had a one-point win over the Lakers, who are actually playing pretty decent basketball out of nowhere. Uh, well, Warriors it's not out of nowhere. It's Anthony Davis is finally playing as a center. He's, 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 and he's killing it. Uh, the Warriors... Let's slow down the threes just a little. They had 25 to beat the Rockets on Saturday, but they took 52. That's that's just too many. Um, number of three-point makes for the Warriors over the past five games, 20, 20, 11, 20, and 25. Please go inside just a little. Just to take a couple mid-range jumpers. That's too many threes. Uh, no Andrew Wiggins for the Golden State Warriors tonight. So that, that makes uh, some things kind of interesting for them. Uh, interesting for you. If you are betting along with us, you're making a ton of money. Fade the public improves to six and three on the year. We were on the Eagles minus four and a half. That was a walk in the park. Uh, so, Ray, we have a better winning percentage documented than Joe Fortenbaugh, better than anyone on the strip, better than Stu Finer or anyone else on the radio. Uh, we are uh, an unbelievable moneymaker for your gambling needs. Fade the public. Being better than Joe Fortenbaugh, however, is such a low bar. It's like stepping over a furrow. Oh, he's better than that. Uh, how much better? Which is number this year? I don't know. It, it ain't 67%. I yeah, probably it's that. probably not even 50. Uh, congratulations to the crime dog. Congratulations to Fred McGriff, who is going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, here is someone who got... Apparently parked in the hall of very good 
and was not going to get in. The writer said no. This 16 contemporary baseball era committee says he is going to go in as a class of one. 493 home runs, eight different 100 RBI seasons. Insert your Tom Amansky defensive drills joke right here. That's the plaque. That's the hat he should wear. The Tom Amansky hat on his Hall of Fame plaque. Ray, the other thing that we need to bring up is just Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are never getting into the Hall of Fame. They're now 0 for 11 trying to get into the Hall of Fame. And if anyone thought that the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee may be more sympathetic, it is It is not. No, nobody thought that was going to happen because there were only three media people on it. The rest of it were baseball, you know, lifers. Well, not life. Hall I mean, famers. just like management yeah. types. And, you know, they they didn't like either of those guys. And that's the problem with those committees. In a small room, small biases become big ones. The, the thing that surprised me, though, is that neither Bonds nor Clemens got even four votes, which means that they came in fully expecting not to vote for him under any circumstances. And that's why I think most people believe that barring some new change in the system, or people finally becoming outraged by it. Uh, yeah, they're done. Well, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's why the Hall of Fame went from meaning more than any other Hall of Fame in sports to meaning essentially nothing now. And I'm not trying to take away anything from Fred McGriff. Congratulations Yeah, he, did, yeah, to he him. didn't cast any votes. He's, he's blameless here. And nobody sat there and, you know, politicked for him in the room. He just, all he did was... Give him his resume and say, let me know what you think. But let me tell you what these BBWA douchebags have done. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. Not BBWA douchebags this time. No, no, no. I, you, let me finish. Okay. The people who are so high and mighty, who literally watched Fred McGriff not do a single performance-enhancing drug in his career, and he had the body types and injuries along the way to suggest that he was not a PED user. Fred McGriff and his home runs weren't good enough for them, yet they took David Ortiz, who actually tested positive for a banned substance, and elected him with 78% of the vote. Bonds, a seven-time MVP, who dwarfed Big Poppy's entire career with the exception of the sixth tool of friendliness isn't in the Hall of Fame and the only pitcher in recorded human history to win 300 games and not be in the Hall of Fame won't be in the Hall of Fame either. Roger Clemens, you're also out. The BBWA is a clown show that has zero legitimacy that spans from one decision to the next. To say no to Barry Bonds but yes to David Ortiz means all of you are massive douchebags. All of you, even the ones who got your vote right, you are being unfairly judged by the group that is clearly the premier group of fart-sniffing SOBs in sports. Fred McGriff, not good enough. Barry Bonds cheated, can't ever say yes. David Ortiz definitely cheated, come right in. Screw all of them, Ray, seriously. Well, I'm one of them, so I'll, I'll take that one. But I think they got, they got all three of them right because... Ortiz separately should go in. I think McGriff, when you look at his numbers, and you can look at baseball reference to find him out, 
was a below average Hall of Famer. He was a borderline guy. So whether he gets in or not, the Hall is neither better nor worse for his inclusion. Bonds is the big mistake. Clemens is an equally big mistake. And I'd be, I voted for Ortiz without hesitation every time. I voted for Bonds without hesitation. Because you're not talking out of both sides of your mouth, which no. half these turkeys are. Well, 40% of them were. And it's, but, but it's the committee thing that fries me. Because what they did was form committees so that they could reinforce what they already wanted, which was Bonds and Clemens not to get in. They don't care whether Fred McGriff gets in. They cared more about whether Harold Baines got in four years ago. You know, the only thing I'm just saying is Fred McGriff got in, good for him. He didn't do anything wrong other than play baseball. I don't know if he was PED clear or not. I don't care. But, you know, he get, he gets a plaque. So he wins, and he should win. Why not? The rest of it, not good. And not going to be any better. Verlander is a Met. DeGrom is a Ranger. Aaron Judge is at the Tampa Bay game tonight. There is a video going around of him talking to Tom Brady, and I'm just going to tell you this. Aaron Judge does live in Tampa. He is wearing a Tampa Bay jersey. But the jersey is not a Tom Brady jersey. The jersey is number 13. That's Brock Purdy's number. Stop it. He's clearly coming to the San Francisco Giants. Why would he wear Brock Purdy's number if he weren't about to be a San Francisco Giant? Just throwing that out there. I'm only inferring clearly the message he is sending to America. That Brock Purdy is a better player than Mike Evans. Was that a Mike Evans? Yeah, I know he wears 13. I'm just, so does Brock. I know. Uh, I, I know where you were going with that. The Mets and shame on you. The Mets dropped 186, uh, no, uh, $86 million over two years to add Verlander and Kate Upton, so congratulations. Um, Trey Turner, first player in Major League Baseball history with 1,000 hits, 100-plus home runs, and 200-plus stolen bases in their first 1,000 games, and his next 1,000 games at least, will be in a Phillies uniform. He got a huge payday today from Philadelphia. He said he wanted to go back east. He told everybody. He just did. Hey, I was worried that Aaron Judge might do something today because we had to keep it on 49ers and Brock Purdy and what just happened. Maybe Aaron Judge does something tomorrow. Farhan, get it done. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We got our good friend coming up next. It is the one and only John Dickinson coming to you with Warriors Live from Chase Center. In the meantime, thanks to Michael Irvin for joining us. For the boys behind the glass, for Ray, I'm Damon. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.